And it's health naturally as well, 17 past 12. And on Health Naturally, we're taking your calls, 49216216. Erica's rung in, Dennis, from Merriweather, and uh, scabies is the topic, Eric. Yes, please. Um, Merry Christmas, Dennis. Thank you very much, Eric. Um, a chemist this morning said that the little red itchy blotches or red, uh, itchy parts of the skin that then come out into a red blotch, mm-hmm. an itchy red blotch, mm-hmm. are most probably scabies attack. Mm-hmm. Well, the first thing I would say, Eric, is that if there is a suspicion that it is scabies, you should uh, present to your local GP and get a, an accurate diagnosis. Your pharmacist may well be right in his interpretation of the symptoms, but as I've always said on this program, our general practitioners are the ones that are the prime contact therapists in our society. So if you are uncomfortable and you have these things, don't hesitate because it can be quite an uncomfortable condition, scabies, and it can be well managed medically. So the best advice that I could give to you is to seek a consultation with your GP and get the appropriate topical management. I see, Dennis, but it's Christmas and I think he's shut for the next week. Well, I'd make an attempt to see a GP anywhere, right. anywhere because if it's scabies, it can be a pretty um, awesome and nasty and uncomfortable condition and should be managed promptly. So you must be able to find somewhere around the place uh, a GP, if it, even if it is one that you're not normally seeing. Okay. Um, Anything else I- with that? I looked up the American Dermatology website. Oh, yes. And they suggested some um, tea tree, I think it is, amazingly, tea tree oil. You used a few years ago Thursday Plantation tea tree shampoo as a body wash. Would that help? Look, I'm a great fan of tea tree oil, as you might um, appreciate. It's a remarkable remedy and it does have some real benefit on various skin pathologies it may give some relief but again i'm more concerned eric that the condition is adequately and uh, diagnosed because um, it may not be scabies and it might require it might require an oral treatment as rather than a topical treatment so whilst uh, tea tree based preparations are generally safe and have an anti-itch and also an antiseptic effect, and, uh, effect on many uh, skin conditions. Uh, and I would agree with the journal you mentioned there about its potential in this. But again, it worries me that um, the thing hasn't been clarified. And uh, I, I've seen skin conditions during my professional career that have been neglected and have caused uh, patients a lot of, uh, a lot of distress. So again, before you start doing anything yourself get it accurately interpreted. Okay, Dennis, thanks very much. Thank you, Eric. And thanks for your call, 49216216, if you've got a question for Dennis Stewart today. And, uh, Dennis, um, mm. you've got something else you wanted to wrap up on? Cal- yes. Well, we're talking about diabetes. We're talking about diabetes, and just week. very quickly, I'd just like to go over some of the things. First of all, as I said last week, become aware of what diabetes is, and particularly type 2 diabetes, 
which is of epidemic proportions around the world. And I mentioned a couple of references, particularly Dr. Sandra Cabot's book on type 2 diabetes, You Can Reverse It. A good read, and again, I emphasise anyone who is insulin-resistant, borderline diabetic, and who has been told by their GP to look at lifestyle, look at their diet, look at exercise, Cabot's book is a good start. Secondly, I emphasise the fact that we are overwhelmed by the amount of additional sugar in our diet. And we all need sugar and we all use sugar, but uh, my contention is that sugar now has become almost a pollutant in the food chain and many foods that we eat unknowingly are laced with sugar. So I say to all listeners, uh, if you're concerned about your weight, if you are type 2, if you're insulin resistant, if you're moving in that direction, do what I do. Even when you buy baked beans, look at the sugar content that may or may not be in them. In other words, become an intelligent consumer, realising the way in which sugar subtly creeps into our diet and can complicate the management of blood sugar conditions. Be aware. The second thing is, with people with diabetes, the best advice dietetically I can give is to observe the way in which carbohydrates may be dominating a reading habit, and I contend that carbohydrates for the last 20 years have been overemphasized as we've retreated from more conventional protein foods. The best advice that I can give is look at your diet, remove a lot of carbs from your diet. We need them, but don't overemphasize them. Get back to a more traditional understanding of protein, the importance of things like meat and eggs, and cheese protein is more slowly and more uh, efficiently corrected or, or, or turned into, if you like, a blood sugar without creating the spikes that carbohydrates do. Move to car- move away from carbs. Move in the direction of, of protein. And also to finalise my wrap up on this, um, don't forget the importance of exercise. Weight loss associated with dietary reform, i.e moving in the direction of protein and away from carbs, combined with an adequate um, uh, exercise program, can see some weight loss occurring. Weight loss is one of the best ways for people with diabetes, particularly type 2, insulin-resistant people. It's one of the best ways of seeing one's blood sugar level being better able to be controlled. And don't forget what I said, if you are really concerned about your blood sugar level and want to participate with your GP in managing it, get a little glucometer and start to regularly take your blood sugar level, preferably before breakfast, to get an idea of what your blood sugar level is doing and how it might respond to what you are doing by way of self-help measures. And finally, please don't overlook some of the unique foods and herbs that are being increasingly used uh, by type 2 people, insulin-resistant people, even myself. Don't forget the three that we have mentioned over the year, uh, particularly the bitter melon. Mamordica charantia is its botanical name. It's probably the most traditional medication used all around the world for seeking to manage blood sugar levels, and again, particularly type 2. Look at the literature, Google it up, and you'll be overwhelmed with the amount of supporting information there is for using bitter melon. It's best used as a vegetable, which is increasingly available from our food, sto- from our food stores and supermarkets. Australians, unfortunately, unlike Asian people and South American people, really still don't like it, and this is why I developed the bitter melon powder product, 
which I use myself. Not that I don't like bitter melon, but I use the powder myself for convenience. It's one of the most important remedies. And uh, bitter melon powder should be used, in my opinion, by anyone who's struggling with type 2. At the same time, don't overlook the other herb we mentioned during the year, known as Gymnema sylvestra. It's popularly used throughout Asia, and most preparations on health food store counters purporting to address type 2 or blood sugar problems would incorporate Gymnema sylvestra. And the third one, a 5-gram usage of the herb cinnamon, is also mentioned in the literature and increasingly being shown to be a useful and safe additive to one's diet as a means further of seeking to control one's blood sugar levels. There are some hints. Take it on board. Work with your GP or your healthcare professional. Don't forget, at the end of the day, you are responsible for your health and you must become interested in addressing this critical problem which is overtaking the West. Um, We can talk about her topic, Dennis. She has a lump inside her cheek and lip and she is a smoker as well. Mm. Well, the first thing uh, I must do here is recommend that Cheryl immediately gets this clarified. If you are a smoker, Cheryl, and you are developing lesions uh, in your mouth, uh, lumps of any description, and particularly a lesion on your lip, uh, that could be a serious emergence of, of serious symptoms. Please, again, take my advice. Have it looked at. These things should not uh, be there, in my opinion. And again, your GP is the best one to interpret this, but the fact that you are a smoker makes me worry because smoking is considered to be an agent that can provoke uh, very troublesome lesions in the mouth and on the lip. So the best advice that I can give is very similar to what I gave to a previous listener. Get the thing looked at. That's what your medical practitioner is there for. You can't interpret it yourself. I wouldn't dare interpret it. Get it clarified and get it treated before it gets away on you. Thanks, Cheryl. Thanks for your call, Cheryl. Margaret rang also and didn't want to go on air, but let's talk about her question too. Um, Margaret wants to know the recommended levels of sugar. So if a product has a label that says 100 grams per serve. This is a very difficult question to answer because, again, you're depending upon or you're looking at what the product is. Um, So it's virtually... uh, virtually impossible to give an accurate answer uh, depending upon what uh, food you're eating what is the size of the serve that you're eating uh, for instance is it a cereal um, it may have if it is a cereal it may have in its carbohydrate content quite a significant amount of sugar so really i can't answer that question accurately margaret because it largely depends upon uh, the product largely depends upon the size of the serve it largely depends upon whether it's a drink, etc., uh, etc. Et so unless I actually knew the product, um, it would be difficult to, to pass comment on this. So there isn't necessarily a recommended level of sugar. Well, that sugar. Goes... Remember, sugar is is essentially the end product of carbohydrate metabolism. So um, you just can't say, oh, you know, stop eating sugar because sugar's already there in our diet every time we eat a slice of bread or eat a cereal, at the end we have sugar. And I I come back to the point that that is not the issue with my worry. 
my worry is not concerned about the sugar that occurs in the normal food chain. We need that, for goodness sake. We need it for our energy. What I'm concerned about, as you know, Jane, is the way in which, in my opinion, our food chain is increasingly polluted. Now, I know that's a strong term, and people might take issue with it, but it's my opinion that our food chain is polluted by an attempt to get increasing amounts of sugar in to make products more palatable. And uh, that's probably all that we need to say about sugar today. (laughs) So no added sugar is a fair... Well, that's my... Look, but even even here, Mm. um, for instance, if you have a cup of tea, say a couple of cups a day, put it this way, a bit of sugar is not going to kill you. But if you're drinking large bottles of particular cordials, which are labelled well with the huge amount of sugar content in them, well, then, in my opinion, you have a problem. And Kerry has rung in from Blackalls Park. Hello, Kerry. You, you've got a question on migraines, have you? Yes, it's for my niece. She's um, been getting an increasing amount of migraines and she, the doctors have put her on certain medication that they have side effects. I'm just wondering if there's anything naturally she could take. Um, Kerry, migraines are very um, individualistic and it's, it would be wrong of me to uh, simplify them and their management. What I would say is that in herbal medicine, uh, a herb called FIFAFU, and I'll spell it for you, F-E-V-E-R-F-E-W, FIFAFU. F-E-V-E-R, fever. All right, yes, Few, yes. F-E-W. Now, that, oh, okay. her, that herb, botanically known as Parthenium tanacetum, is renowned for its usefulness to function as a, as a preventative. It developed its reputation... Uh, as a preventative agent, not so much as a treatment agent. Uh, Fortunately, it's an over-the-counter product. It's inexpensive. It is low-dosed. The thing about it is that in about 10% of patients, there will be some uh, uncomfortable side effect, usually associated with the mouth, maybe uh, an ulceration of the mouth or other symptoms which would make it inappropriate. I have never seen those side effects, but the literature does indicate that there is that possibility. Um, I would suggest I would suggest that if your niece, whoever it is, is concerned about what her doctor has prescribed, she could, should consider FIFAFU and even mention it to the general practitioner whose computer uh, would show that it has a reasonable reputation. That would be the best advice that I can give. I know it's simplistic, but migraines is a difficult condition to treat Thief of you is a reasonable option to try to prevent the condition. And so, do you get that at any health? She lives at Lake Mamora, so. Well, there's a good health food store down at Lake Haven. I'm sure they would have it, but also remember, most pharmacies these days would stock uh, products. So, either place, I'm sure, would be able to facilitate that, but it should not be taken in conjunction with the prescribed medication that her doctor may have given her. And if she's going to use it as an option to prescribe medication, the the ethical thing to do would be to mention it to the prescribing doctor before she went on to it. So hope that... On medication, it's best for her not to try this. I think while you're on medication for a condition, it is unwise to confuse the management by doing things that might interact 
or that might confuse the outcome. Get your GP on side before you decide to go this pathway. Definitely a good idea. Thank you very much, Kerry. And um, I think one of our phone lines is taking a holiday early, Dennis, because we seem to have lost Kelly from Fletcher, who rang up about cinnamon, wondering what quantity should be taken each day. Kelly, with reference to cinnamon, remember it's a spice. It's relatively harmless. Although, let me say, any herb or spice can become a problem if it's abused. But if it's any consolation to you, I take a teaspoonful of it each day before going to bed. Now, that's what I do. It does not upset me. I'd say around about five grams, depending on how big you are. Um, That might be a little bit uncomfortable for you. But a teaspoonful, put it that way, it is not something that needs to be meticulously prescribed but make sure you get a good quality cinnamon and give it a go. It's a pleasant uh, herb to use um, in various beverages. One can sprinkle it on, say, warm milk or something like that. But I'd say a teaspoonful. And would you take that dry or would you use yeah, it in and, your... Well, look, again, you can use it either way, but dried cinnamon sprinkled on or taken out of a spoon with a bit of honey, by the way, is not a bad way of using it. Good Australian honey. (laughs) (laughs) Excellent. Dennis, uh, of course, we're taking your calls on 49216216 if you've got a question or a topic for Dennis. But we are looking at this year's top topics and uh, we've got a moment to have a look at our next topic, which was cholesterol. cholesterol. We'll we'll very quickly look at that because it has to be quick because calls are coming in. But again, um, I have a fairly controversial opinion on uh, cholesterol, which I'll not go into. But where um, cholesterol is considered by patients and their healthcare practitioners to be something that needs to be addressed, uh, where you have what is referred to as moderately elevated levels of cholesterol, and particularly where uh, your doctor or your healthcare professional is urging you to undertake self-help measures before you are prescribed uh, the inevitable statin, in inverted commas, with which I have great difficulty. I won't go into that. Um, there are a few things that will not alienate your medical managers that make a little bit of sense. The first thing about cholesterol is to appreciate that, silly or simple as it sounds, a regular in daily, a daily ingestion of soluble fibre has a huge high rating as far as being beneficial in progressively working against moderately elevated levels of cholesterol. And by this we mean seeing soluble fibre in things like, for instance, oat bran, in things like psyllium, in things like slippery elm. They're the excellent sources of soluble fibre. A regular daily use of these as medication, not just not just haphazardly. I frequently confront patients who will talk to me about their problems. Say, oh, but I use psyllium. I'll say, yes, but how much did you use, and how much, how long were you using it for? The general response is it was fairly haphazard, with with no regular dosage. It's not going to work that way. Soluble fibre, about 15 grams, for instance, of psyllium, if you're going to use it needs to be done on a daily basis, says the literature, to move towards an observable reduction in moderately elevated levels of cholesterol. So that's the first thing. You must, on a daily basis, accelerate your ingestion of soluble soluble fibre. Now, the second thing about that is the dietary factor, and I have pushed all through this year 
the importance of what we call the Mediterranean diet. And I'm not going to go over that now. There's plenty of information on it, but it is a diet that is rich in fruits and vegetables, seafood, and the remarkable use of olives and olive oil. I could talk about that all day. My wife and myself went out last night to a lovely restaurant in the Hunter, and what we were impressed with was the way in which part of the ritual, so to speak, was that there's a lovely bowl of olive oil on the table, which we uh, happily ingested, and I could feel the benefit of it today. <laughs> so the Mediterranean diet, particularly with that, needs to be looked at too. Move in the direction and realise, as I said during the year, the nations that seem to have excellent profiles are those nations that border the Mediterranean and live on the Mediterranean diet, and those nations such as uh, Japan and Taiwan, whose diet is similar, particularly the emphasis on seafood. There are two principles already. And then don't forget uh, some of the useful herbal approaches. We talked about, for instance, a group of substances known as phytosterols. These are plant-based substances that are popularly uh, known, even incorporating in foods now. They're, They're safe substances, and what they do what they essentially do is limit the reabsorption of cholesterol. So products in our marketplace, and there are many of them, the health food store proprietor, the pharmacist, uh, would be able to show you one that's labelled phytosterol, technical term as it might sound. These usually come in a tableted form and are useful, again, for addressing moderately elevated levels of cholesterol as another way of lessening cholesterol levels by inhibiting their uptake. Uh, there is, a, is another simple uh, procedure, if you like, but fascinatingly, and I'll tidy up on this because the, the clock's getting away on us, I'll tidy up on this. I mentioned during the year the use of the herb globe artichoke. I'm going to be talking a lot about globe, globe artichoke next year. I intend to write a paper on it over the uh, holiday and Christmas period to, to make available to my listeners and patients. Globe artichoke, uh, globe artichoke, interestingly, has a rating nearly as good as soluble fibre as an agent that has a European proven ability to progressively lower cholesterol levels. A great herb. I've already had feedback from patients in my rooms who are using globe artichoke in a simple form, just as a herbal tea and already showing some benefits on their cholesterol readings. And interestingly, a product that is a food, it's a food, not a drug, but in fact contains, how can I call it, crude statin-like substances, is called red rice yeast extract. Now that has a very, very good press. Um, It does contain a very, very small amount of a statin-like substance, so small that it's been controverted, that that could not contribute to the observed way in which red rice yeast extract could participate also in lowering cholesterol levels. So there's a few bits of advice. I know I've gone too fast on it, but we've touched on the topic before. Those ways of addressing cholesterol do work, as evidenced by, by my observation of patients presenting with an initial cholesterol level uh, who have been told by their doctor, look, you really need to do something, it's moderately elevated, you're heading in the direction of a statin, you've got X period of time, they do these things, and in most cases there is an observable drop. You as a person 
with a cholesterol problem, if it is a problem, could do a lot about it. Take on board what we've discussed throughout the year and what I've too hurriedly reviewed for you this morning. And Kerry has rung in from Boolaroo on 49216216. And Kerry, you've got a question about gallstones. Yeah, hi. Hello, Kerry. Hello, how are you? Good, good. That's good. Yeah, I recently, actually this week, uh, suffered severe pain and ended mm-hmm. up at the John Hunter. Yes. And they diagnosed gallstones. Yes. I have had several attacks this year which yes. diagnosed, but that's what it was now, I've realised. Yeah. Yes, yes. So... Um, diet-wise, it looks like I'm going to have a bit of a shock to my system, it would seem, to get uh, myself better. Look, if, if you, you're obviously a younger person, Kerry. Um, oh, if, that if, sounds, that's very nice, <laughs> but I'm 57. Yeah, you, are, you are much younger than what I am. That's all. Okay. <laughs> I can usually tell by the voice. Uh, okay. Yeah. But look, um, gallstones um, shouldn't, in my opinion... Uh, be left laying about, so to speak. If you've, mm. had, if you've had a number of attacks, I'm sure mm. your doctor has told you that the best way of doing it and getting rid of the things and the best way of doing that is to undergo the technique today known as keyhole surgery. Yes. My, my wife had it done a number of years ago without any consequences. I would not, I would not dare say if you do this and do this, you will resolve your gall, gallstones, particularly now when the procedure is so refined and so, and so successful, if I were you, I would certainly look at your diet uh, as far as general health is concerned, general health is concerned. But if you've got gallstones and you've had a number of attacks, don't wait for the next big one. Get in and get it organised to have them removed. That's my opinion. There you go, Kerry. There's a line of attack for you. And all the very best with that. Now, Pam has rung in from Mark's Point. Pam, your question's about probiotics. Yes, it is. Hello, Pam. Hi. How can we help you, Pam? I'm just wondering how much probiotic you need a day. Oh, look, I think that's a very difficult question to answer because probiotics can occur uh, even in foods. So I don't think we should, and this is my opinion, I don't think we should see probiotics as being, if you like, something that is, is medication. Preferably see it as a food or a food supplement. And as such, uh, dosage to me wouldn't be as crucial as it might be if one was taking a medication to treat a condition. For instance, if you are getting your probiotic, uh, say from yogurt, um, you you get a decent amount of probiotics in a good quality uh, yogurt. So it ill behoves me to say, oh, you need to take so many cartons of yogurt in order to get the right amount of probiotics. It's in your food chain. Um, okay. Also, yep. if you're using um, Yakult. Um, uh, it's a food so uh, it's only when you start uh, moving in the direction of thinking that probiotics can only come in a particular uh, capsule, tablet or whatever not that I'm putting those down but it's only when you move in that direction do you suddenly start to see these things uh, being presented in a form that may cause you to ask questions about dosage these are obviously very very safe substances they come in the food chain I am a great believer in keeping it simple. I have said on this program, and I keep saying it, I am concerned about the way in which uh, many foods are being turned into medications. It's better to use things as a food 
rather than a medication. And I'm very concerned about the way in which my industry, the health food industry, um, sees products increasingly accelerating in price to the point that in a working class town like Newcastle, many of my patients and clients find it increasingly difficult to be able to afford more sophisticated preparations of products. So to these people, I point out that they can get, in my opinion, an adequate amount, say, of probiotics into their gut by going to the supermarket, going to the health food store and getting them in their simple form. One doesn't have to uh, use expensive uh, modern preparations to get a probiotic benefit. It might interest you to know that a guy called Metchkinoff uh, discovered or made a case for probiotics uh, at the beginning of the 20th century when he noticed that uh, people in the state of Georgia in, in, in Russia lived to disproportionately long uh, years of age and he looked at their diet and found that they used an incredible amount of sour milk products in their diet. That led to uh, his conclusion that sour milk, which is in fact a crude form of a probiotic, was a major contributor to their good health and long life. It was controverted and debated, as it still is, but it makes a case for saying that a simple product, something as simple as that, particularly in more traditional cultures, getting very, very close to a yoghurt preparation, was considered originally to have remarkable health benefits. Okay, so if you took um, a, a probiotic in Yakult and you also had some yogurt, you'd be getting adequate supply each day. My opinion is you would be getting a good supply and you'd be doing yourself a lot of good and you'd probably be, uh, be using very simple and inexpensive forms of the product. Okay, that's what I'm having each day. Well, good girl. Well done. Well Fantastic. Done. Keep it up, Pam, and keep up the good health. And uh, Jody, this should be our last call for today. Dennis, mm. Jody's rung in from Rutherford. Water and medications, both together in that order, Jody? Uh, no, nausea. Nausea. Oh, yeah, not water. Well, no, nausea. Nausea and medications. Yeah, okay. so um, I was taking um, Mobic as an anti-inflammatory. Yes. Um, and was also taking um, dexamphetamine, and I had it increased in dose for dexamphetamine last week. Yes. And um, I've noticed some pretty average side effects, so I mm. stopped the Mobic thinking that it might have been from that. Mm. Um, but I'm still, I still have this nauseous feeling, as well as this burning in my throat, okay. um, sinuses, stomach. Okay. Very quickly here. Uh, this is not something to diagnose on radio. What you need to do is present to your GP and say, this is the situation, what's going on? Let him sort out the situation so that you can be more comfortable. Don't try to self-diagnose. Get it clarified. Thank you for your call, Jody. And just in the last minute or two, Dennis... Do we have time to talk about our third hot topic? Not really, eh? I don't think so. <laughs> Do an injustice to a topic that will take up 
again next year as we took up this year the various forms of arthritis. But Excellent. But we do have to decide um, to do the draw for our Stiff Sore and Eric. Sorry Pack today. Eric. And Eric from Merriweather. So we'll give it to Eric. Eric, mm. you can pick up your Stiff Sore and Sorry Pack from Dennis Stewart's New Lambton Rooms from this afternoon on 2NURFM. And, and, and Jane, I should say uh, to all of our dear listeners out there how much we've enjoyed their company this year. And you particularly, Jane, I'd like to extend my thanks for your excellent job again. Remarkable woman. She is listeners. She's a remarkable woman. I hope to be back here next year, God willing, at this stage of one's life. Must, one must use that terminology. But it's been a great year. I hope the listeners have got something from the program. I've tried to keep it simple and safe. And I say to all listeners and to you, Jane, have a happy and blessed Christmas and a prosperous New Year. It is the time of year where we do this, and thank you very much mm. for all of your contributions, you, Dennis. Jim. It's been great. It's made us think, hasn't it? It has indeed. And uh, that has been great this year, looking after your health. Dennis will be back next year, and that will be when our lifestyle programs begin. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.